Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today, I am very happy to be bringing a uh, a new guest. We got Kim Chanel Clark Underwood. Kim, just like most of you who are listening, is also a dedicated amateur runner who is uh, working hard in her preparations for CIM, the California International Marathon, which kicks off next weekend. She has had uh, a wonderful lead up to this race and I'm sure has high expectations for what she's going to be able to do. Uh, She has set her 5K half marathon and 20 mile PRs all in this lead up uh, to the race. However, her running background hasn't always been as smooth. In fact, it's had a lot of start and stops. In fact, some of those starts have led to her kind of going over the edge in her training, uh, which has then precipitated uh, some of uh, some of the stops. So before we get into it, just want to remind anyone uh, who has listened to this podcast before or introduce it to anyone who is new to the podcast, please uh, go on to Facebook and like our Facebook fan page, The Rambling Runner. Uh, on there, not only do I post each episode, but I also post... Uh, sorry about that. Articles and videos that I find interesting is a good place also to kind of form the Rambling Runner community. Uh, in addition, if you like what you hear, please review the, the uh, podcast on iTunes. If you do that, it allows other people to find the episodes. And, uh, you know, we all, we're all, all out on our runs looking for things to listen to. And hopefully this provides you a little bit of entertainment and maybe even some inspiration uh, when you're doing just that. So we're going to get into it now. Thank you so much for listening, and happy running. Hello, Kim, and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. Hey, Matt. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on. Of course. I'm so excited to be on it. Well, I'll tell you what. It's, uh, it is great to have you on, especially we're one week out from the California International Marathon, otherwise CIM and anyone who follows uh, running and marathoning in particular is well aware of this race. It's a biggie and you're going to be running it this year. So uh, how are you feeling one week out? Oh my goodness. I'm really excited. You know, a little bit of nerves, but um, I don't feel like I have the same type of debilitating nerves for this race compared to, you know, my other, my other marathons that I've run. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. Oh, that's great. And I can't wait to talk to you a little bit about that. You actually did a post a little while ago um, about race anxiety and some of the strategies you use to kind of combat that and uh, trying to help others who, who might uh, have, might go through the same thing or could potentially go through the same thing. And uh, kind of before we dive into that and before and I mentioned this actually during the intro, which I just recorded, um, you've had quite a good lead up coming in i don't want to jinx anything but a 5k half marathon in 20 mile prs all in the lead up to cim that must have felt pretty good yeah definitely i mean i think that the nice part is that because i took such a long break from my last marathon i was just able to get myself in a totally different level of fitness and um you know the lord willing no matter what the day holds i'll at least get some type of pr on sunday just because you know, just all of this work has really just put me at a different level than than my last PR. Right, and you mentioned the the twenty two month lead up um, from kind of your last your last marathon, and uh, that brings us all the way back to when you first started running uh, as a high school senior. 
Uh, I'd love for you to tell that story about how you went from basically zero to 60 miles an hour and how that ultimately kind of became like a, a running theme for you for about 10 years in your running career. Yeah. So basically I decided to run my senior year of high school um, and just do cross country and track. I was injured the entire time. So it was I like extremely slow. I'm sure I had really bad shin splints and stress fractures in my shins, but um, basically my, the last week of my senior year, I had told someone, you know, I'm going to run a marathon when I'm in college. And um, they told me that they didn't think that I could do it. I, I said, yeah, I definitely am going to do it. And I found out about the rock and roll um, race that weekend and signed up. Um, and I had, it had been a month since we had um, our track season. So I hadn't run for that whole month, like not even a mile. And so it was a pretty painful um, 26.2, but I did somehow survive. <laughs> and that was, was it six hours and eight minutes roughly it took you to do that one? Exactly. It, I ran the first 17 miles, which, you know, I was really excited about that because that was the longest I'd ever run um, since I was just in, only in cross country and track. And so, but then after that, you know, I wasn't prepared for it, obviously. And um, my, my legs just completely like seized up and I couldn't bend at the knee anymore. So for, from 17 to the end, I was, you know, going from A station to A station, trying to get massaged out so I could bend my knees a little bit more. It was, it was really rough. (laughs) So at that point, you're experiencing that sort of pain and you didn't put any of the, you know, the typical, especially looking back at it now, you must just shake your head (laughs) considering all the the running you do now to prepare for a marathon. So considering the fact that you really didn't have any sweat equity in the race besides someone just kind of, you know, kind of shaking their head when you said you couldn't run a marathon at some point in the next four years, why did you continue on instead of just packing it in? Well, honestly, I actually, after that marathon, it pretty much did me in um, as far as like, I don't need to be running <laughs> for a while now. I, it was, I, you know, I was happy I accomplished it, but, um, and I had no time goals. You know, all I wanted to do was just finish. So after that, I actually took a break until five years ago. And, um, and I decided I wanted to run on the 10 year anniversary of my marathon. So I decided to, to pick running back up and I just thought, you know, what if I trained and, um, I, you know, decided to train for this marathon. I hadn't been active at all since basically I'd been in high school and, um, you know, I, I went to college and law school and was not active at all. Didn't go to the gym, didn't do anything. And then I decided I wanted to do this marathon and I just did not want how painful that experience was to be repeated. So I found um, a, a track club here in San Diego and I joined it and they said you had to be able to run for 20 minutes at a time in order to join the club. So I was like really concerned about that and worked on being able to run for 20 whole minutes all together. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, I joined the club and, um, and the rest is history. <laughs> so what about the marathon had such a, such a draw for you? There's no intermediate goals there, right? It's really from nothing to marathon. Yeah. My, um, my dad actually ran three marathons at 13 and, um, and he, and he, that's the only, those are the only marathons he ran. So he, 
um, debuted and um, retired at 13 from the marathon. And this is like, you know, a long time ago when marathons weren't like the bucket list item they are now. Um, and so because he, you know, had done that, I was like, well, I need to do one too. And so it was really because he had that running history that I wanted to, you know, follow in his footsteps like that, but not so slowly. <laughs> and while, while we're here to talk about your running, I can't let that just fly by. So when, when you were hearing these stories about this 13 year old marathoner, which almost sounds like a fictional story, <laughs> when you heard that, what was, you know, how was that story told to you? You know what I mean? Was it like, Hey, was it like a bragging point for him or, ride in or was it something like the opposite like how how was that conveyed to you when you were younger well I just always knew that my dad was a good runner they um, their team won state and he had done three marathons at 13 which is super unheard of for that young you know but his coach in high school encouraged him to do it so he was like training for these races in winter in Wisconsin doing their mileage you know running laps in a gym um, and his best time was a 307 with, you know, not very much mileage. So, um, you know, that's a pretty, pretty great time for a kid, you know? Absolutely. So, all right. So when you went into marathon experience, um, you had a little bit more lead in than your first time. How many, how many months did you have to prepare for the, for the second, the second go around? I had three months. Okay, so how was it? How did your training go from the initial, almost reluctance to run twenty minutes to 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 you know the end point where you're getting ready to run? Well, yeah. So I literally went from twenty minutes of running to my first marathon in three months, and it was it was a really fast lead up. Obviously, um, I was I had joined the track club, so um, I talked to the coach, and the marathon that that they had been training for was in June. So I was going to be running a couple months earlier. I was just like, what do you think I should do? And he just told me, you know, make sure you do a 17 miler. And then I'm telling everybody, I just got coached by somebody. (laughs) (laughs) That one piece of advice was really him, you know, like it was so funny, but, um, but yeah, so it was a pretty fast lead up, but because I don't really know, you know, what really great preparation is. I thought that I was doing a lot better than my first one. (laughs) Oh, I guess, I guess technically that's true. Yeah, a lot more training. Yeah, certainly. And then, so for that marathon, what was the actual race day experience for you like in terms of, um, you know, pacing, kind of the mental challenges that are incorporated with every marathon, especially in the second half and, you know, specifically the last 6.2, which is always a bear, and just being able to to kind of handle the rigors of that day? Yeah, I I remember how exciting marathon and it was so much fun just running through downtown I like had the best memories of that and I definitely think I went out too fast um I intended not to but you know you get excited and um and I paid for it in the you know in the last final stretch and it's on the LA course that I ran it was just a really it's it was tough because it's just so long and boring and you know it's just kind of like you're out of your mind in those last six miles after you've hit a wall you know and it's it's like no man's land. So um, I was happy that I finished, but um, I definitely had started out at a pace that was a, a lot quicker than what I ended up at. Right. And that's a great point for a lot of new 
or I should say new, kind of like novice amateur amateur marathoners, especially if they haven't done a lot of half marathons in preparation. And I consider myself to be one of those people. When I jumped into the marathon, I didn't have a lot of, um, you know, 10 to 13 mile or 13, 10 mile races under my belt. And I had the same experience where the first 10 miles or so I'm sitting there like, hey, I feel great. And I thought that was some sort of anomaly. As opposed to like, yeah, dude, you're supposed to feel good in the mile 10 of a 26 mile race. Like that really isn't a barometer of anything. Yeah, I was actually telling a friend who just ran um, her first marathon the other day, um, Danielle Hart. I don't know if you know her. She's another um, great girl on Instagram. But she, you know, was I was telling her, you know, like you've never run a full marathon. So your body doesn't even like know how to even conserve the energy for the end because you've never had to feel those last six miles and how painful it can be. So it's like if you've only been running, you know, a maximum 20 miles or you do mostly half marathons, then it's just like you don't even know how to gauge how to save the energy for that last bit. That's exactly right. Absolutely. It's so true. And, and, and you know, it's so easy to go into those races where you have a certain race idea in mind, like, oh, I'm going to negative split the course and all this stuff. And it's you know, academically, it sounds great. But then once you're running and you feel good, you're always like, it's almost like you have this idea of like, hey, I might be having a special day and I just need to take advantage of it. And yeah. sometimes you might not be having a special day just as normal and you don't have enough experience under your belt to recognize it. And then things can go south pretty quick. It's so funny. It's, I mean, it's so true. You know, I'll think, wow, you're going to PR by, like, a lot more than you even trained for. Like, that's the thought I'll literally have during a race. And I feel like that should be, like, the first red flag. Like, just stop what you're doing. Everything you're doing is wrong right now. <laughs> you're not going to PR by more than what you've trained for. Just calm down. Yeah, that's a great point. It's a great point. And then that was obviously a, was a turning point race for you because then all of a sudden you went from 10 years of not inactivity but close to it running a marathon and then all of a sudden you just caught the bug i guess yes it like after that um you know i was in i'm in the san diego track club and i was a new runner and i was so excited by everything running i was doing every single race if there was a race i was doing it i was doing all the races so um yeah because of that race excitement um i did one marathon you know when i was 17 and then since then I've done another nine, which is, well, it's, it's a lot it back. Um, since, since I haven't done any for 22 months and I've only been running for like five years. Yeah. No kidding. So what was, so at that point you're, you know, obviously love not only, you know, doing the training, but race day in particular. So what was the drive for you? What was the most, some of the motivating factors to dive headfirst into it to such a degree? Um, I, I love everything about running. I think that when I found running, um, it was in the right time of my life that I needed it. Um, so just like the solo running and the training was really therapeutic for me and just helped me process life really well. Um, and then beyond that, I loved the community. I had just moved back to San Diego. So it was just, it became my new group of friends here. And I just think that there's nothing more exciting than races. It's, just the best tie ever. <laughs> Absolutely. But obviously, you know, you've had some, some ups and downs, not only from you know, your high school career and then, you know, 10 years down to like the high of, all right, 2012, things are going great. And then boom, 2013, and then health issues hit. So what, what happened there and how did you rebound from it? 
Yeah. So that was, that was really tough. And I feel like that's kind of been, you know, and I feel like that's the story of most people. There's highs and lows and, you know, just being able to like weather the storms. But um, basically in 2012, I think I probably also overworked my body. You know, it was my first year of running and um, I got up to 70 mile weeks for um, my third marathon of that first year. And, you know, that was really tough on me. And um, I went to a, a doctor, basically found out that I was celiac. Um, and because of it, I was um, extremely malnourished, which, you know, I didn't look malnourished, but um, that um, being that malnourished affected, you know, the nutrients my body was getting and my energy levels. And because of that, I had to just completely um, – change my diet in order to, and, and get on some medicine in order to try to correct some things. And, um, so I wasn't able to run much in 2013, um, and just had to completely change my life. I, I cut out gluten and dairy at that point and, um, even sugar because sugar is such an inflammatory and I was dealing with, um, a lot of severe stomach issues. So I had to just completely do a diet overhaul. Wow. So that, that obviously can be a big change, especially if you're someone who subscribes to the, you know, the high carb marathoner diet, which most people do who are running 70 miles a week. I mean, my goodness, um, that really is a ton. And anyone who reads uh, Matt Fitzgerald uh, knows that, you know, he's, he's obviously a popular author who yes. has a number of books out there and he touches on a lot of things. And one of them, he wrote one recently about basically what the top um, the top endurance athletes in the world, what they eat, and almost all of them are very heavy in, um, you know, in good carbs, basically. But then you have someone like yourself, all of a sudden you have celiac disease, you kind of have to go potentially the other way. So how did that specifically, how did like that affect some of your food choices? And then once you got a handle on it, how did you feel after the fact compared to a couple of years before that? Yeah, so basically that first year, because I was just trying to correct a lot of um, stomach issues, I had to actually go no carbs too. So um, insult to injury, you know, I'm basically taking everything out that I had ever eaten and had to just go with a completely different diet. Um, it really did affect my energy levels too that first year, just having to um, to just be on a specific diet to get better. Um, so that was pretty tough, but now I'm, I'm really used to it. I, I can add, I add good carbs back in so I can do like beans and rice and potatoes. Um, but you know, I still don't do gluten and, um, it's, it's not hard at all now. I'm so used to it. It's been a couple years and, um, I figured out how to fuel well, um, and carb load before events well. And even when traveling, it's, it's not as hard as it probably has been in the past. Do you feel like that the, your current diet, even if you weren't celiac disease, that would be something that you would potentially recommend either to other people or to kind of like, you know, your 25-year-old self? Absolutely. I wish I had eaten like this my whole life. If I did, I would have had these problems. But um, my husband actually, um, at the beginning of the year, went gluten-free. Um, he, you know, he says it's to support me, and I know it is. But I also think it's just a better way for runners to eat because, um, you know, even in really healthy people, gluten can have an inflammatory effect, just like sugar. And the whole point of, you know, eating well and all the different recovery things that we do is to bring down inflammation, you know, the, the bad inflammation in our body. And so um, anything you can do to aid that, you know, or not add inflammation is, is definitely a good thing, I think.
candle on that. And then all of a sudden, 2014 comes around and you're on the rebound, right? You're like ready to, to, to get back at it. And boy, yeah. did you ever, like you just mentioned, you basically ran what six marathons in those two years after running three in 2012. Uh, if that math is wrong, please correct me. But I think that's what it sounds no, like. I, it was six marathons in 23 months. And, um, and in that, my, I overtrained for Boston, which was in the, in the middle, I think of those. Um, and so I, I overtrained for Boston and I ran 80 miles a week, but I also wasn't sleeping a lot during that time. And, you know, lots of runs, no sleep, um, just not getting the recovery that I needed. And I just, I was still so green as a runner to not really recognize the signs that my body was basically drowning and I was like pushing it further underwater. That's a- I'm so glad we're talking about this because that's something that I think a lot that can happen to a lot of people. And you mentioned it um, in a post you recently put up. I know before you used to do uh, more blogging on your website, which is great. It's trackclubbabe.com. That's, you know, track club and then babe. So two B's in a row there. Um, .com, and you had a lot of good blog posts and you kind of transitioned that to Instagram, which is the same handle um, on, on Instagram, your Instagram account. And you had a post the other day and it was kind of like a blog post in, uh, in the text underneath your picture where you basically talked about the comparison trap that a lot of people can fall victim to. And do you feel like that's hampered you in the past when you've kind of done these all in moments where you're really like, like you mentioned, 70 miles a week, 80 miles a week. Um, it been a very rapid buildup to that where, you know, what, what would cause you to, uh, to get to that level and how much did the comparison trap, um, you know, play a part? Yeah. You know, I think that it definitely played a big role in this only because, you know, I saw other people doing this. I thought if they can do it, I can do it. This is what's going to get me to the next level. And, Definitely high mileage can get you to the next level if your body is ready to handle it. Um, and, you know, everybody is different. And um, I think that at that point in my running, I didn't really know how to listen to my body. Um, so I, I didn't know what was happening. And I, you know, I pushed myself into heavy overtraining, severe overtraining. But um, I definitely think that that's a, a, a huge issue probably even in the Instagram running community because – there's a lot of people out there who are pushing more and more and more. And I always like, I try to make my message be like, do what you need to do. Because if you do what you need to do, you're going to improve. You can't just copy what somebody else is doing because you have no idea how much time they have to recover or what their history has been leading up to this. Um, you know, if they've been running for 10 years, it's totally different than if you just started running um, and are really new to this. Your body hasn't had the time to handle that workload and get really used to it and be ready to move to the next level. So if you're trying to take on the same workload as somebody who's been running for 10 years, you're going to drown. You know, you're literally going to drown. You're not going to get better. You're going to regress, you know? And it's interesting because you can kind of present the, uh, the idea of like, Hey, learn from my mistakes in a way. Definitely. I, I feel like basically all of my Instagram micro blogging posts are, this is what I'm learning right now. This is all the mistakes I made. Like, please like take some of this, info and let it help you so you don't have to do the exact same thing I did. Right. And then a lot of those posts, you mentioned like, hey, the last 22 months, and that's kind of been a running theme recently that you've been hitting yeah. on. And, you know, the, kind of the, the, so if you go back 23 months, right, the tipping point for you 
what did it feel like in terms of, hey, you just PR'd, all of a sudden you're Boston qualifier, you're running sub 330 in the marathon with someone who, for someone who has kind of a limited running background is a huge accomplishment. And then all of a sudden you're, you're kind of back down to square one again. So what, what exactly happened and how did it feel for you in terms of, hey, you get knocked down again physically and then what does it take to say i'm throwing like 10 questions at you once i apologize and then like you know to kind of of get get back to you know ground level again say all right i want to climb back up the mountain let's do it again yeah so you know i i went into training for boston i overtrained i did 80 mile weeks i wasn't recognizing the signs i did boston i literally could not hold pace i don't think i held pace for three miles downhill at Boston with all the excitement. That's, that's really bad. If, I mean, that's a huge, a huge problem if you can't hold pace for three miles downhill with all that excitement, you know? So, um, after Boston, I took about three weeks off from running altogether, um, just because I knew that there was a problem, but you know, the damage was done and, um, it takes your body time to come out of that hole. And so, um, I've given it more time to, to try to get back to, to normal. And, um, I still had a marathon that, um, early fall in Berlin and, um, you know, I did my best. I had a shorter ramp up to that and, you know, um, I did my best going into that, but, um, you know, I, it just, it took my body longer to heal. And then I had Tokyo right on the back of that in February of, um, 2015 and basically the same with that one. And then that race course also just threw its own curve balls. But, um, after Tokyo, you know, I'm crying. I'm so sad because I, you know, in all of this, it's not like I wasn't working hard. I was working so hard. I was doing everything. You know, I was so focused on doing my best, but um, my body wasn't back. Like it wasn't, it hadn't come, what I always say is it hadn't come back to me yet, you know, and um, I wanted to sign up for Mountains to Beach in um, that would have been in June. So that would be a couple months later just to redeem myself because, you know, I ran, you know, now my third or fourth marathon back to back, um, a bad one. And, um, I, you know, I decided not to, and I just stepped back and was just like, you cannot just keep getting knocked out in the ring and trying to come back up. Like when you get knocked out that many times, you just have such a defeated attitude. You just have this attitude, like you're trying to prove something. And like, that's not the attitude of a champion, you know? And like, I, really had to just like humbly back down from the marathon and say, I need time off right now. Like I need this time. I need to um, allow my body to get the rest it needs. You know, I really prioritized sleep for the last (laughs) two years, but it's when, when you overtrain, you really have to take all the necessary steps to actually recover. Like it's a huge sign that your body's telling you I can't handle it. So um, I, you know, I've, I've spent the last two years having to be patient and having to say, you know, I took a couple hits. It definitely didn't make me feel better about myself or my running, but um, I'm going to give myself all the time it takes to rebuild the machine. And when you were doing that, um, you know, right after Tokyo and then in the next year or so, was there anyone you were leaning on or what, how did you gain, you know, kind of how did you gather the information you needed to kind of make sure that you were making the right choices to get yourself back on track? Yeah, um, my husband, um, Tyler Underwood, um, he, he's actually a sub-elite runner. He's also running at CIM, and um, the Lord willing, he'll run like a 217. So oh, my we're goodness. Hoping, <laughs> we're hoping for, for, 
things on that day. But um, he, yeah, he's, he was, you know, with me through the whole process. You know, he was the one when I'm crying and just saying, like, you know, when will I be running normal again? You know, because I had progressed so fast in my first year of running. And then I overtrained and I just seriously regressed, you know, and everything was just like so much effort for my body. And, um, you know, it was a lot of him reminding me that I was doing all the right things and I just needed to do them like, and to stay patient. And, um, you know, he's been my constant encourager, you know, this entire time and just telling me, um, you know, when we first started dating, I said, I want to break three hours in the marathon. And I just wanted to see how he would react. And he said, oh, absolutely, you can do that. You can do more if you wanted to. And throughout the last 22 months, he's just consistently told me, like, you can do this. You can still do more. Like, you're going to get back there. So I've been really, really fortunate just to have somebody who's 100% in my core, just knowing how to talk to me and just encourage me and lift me up when I need it. That brings up, actually, you just led me right into what I was going to ask, is that You've mentioned a couple of times you're feeling too, you know, you need to redeem yourself after a marathon that didn't go well or the need to prove yourself. You've also written about this. So obviously you have or had in this ideal of what your potential was or what the kind of runner that you should have been, that your times weren't indicative or they weren't showing that. So how did you, I guess, in your mind, what? was your potential that you were looking at and saying, Hey, this is the runner I should be. And kind of why did you come up with that, um, that feeling or those numbers associated with that? You know, I don't, I don't really know how I, you know, picked anything, but you know, when I first started running, I didn't even think Boston was going to be possible. You know, my first marathon, I remember telling my friend, do you think I can, not my first marathon, my second marathon. So my first one training, um, you know, a couple years ago, I told my friend, do you think I can run 26 miles at 10 minute mile, 10 minutes per mile pace for the whole thing? And she was like, I think you can. (laughs) And, you know, that was, you know, a goal I had just for the one in LA. Um, And then after, you know, I saw that I I improved so quickly um, in getting my Boston qualifier, I just saw sub three as just the next barrier that I wanted to break. And, um, and so that's why it was, you know, it was even out there, but, um, it definitely, um, felt like a really lofty goal and, and super out of reach when I, when I made it. But, um, but that was, that was part of the reason why I made it. There you go. And here we are, you're finishing yeah. up your, your CIM training cycle, or I should say it is finished up at this point. There's nothing more you can do. Um, <laughs> So we talked earlier about how you set your 5K half marathon and 20-mile PRs in the lead-up. What, what were those times? Um, they were all – and they were all in training. So um, I think my, my, my half marathon was a 131.07. My 5K, I want to say it's like 2012 maybe. I'm not really sure. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I actually think I broke my 5K PR in my 6K race like a week ago. I saw um, that. That was hysterical. I think that, that's yeah. got to be a good sign. Yeah, definitely. But I, you know, I know that if I specifically train for these, um, that I can do so much faster. So I'm not even attached to any of these numbers. But it's really, really motivating just to see that in training I'm able to just to hit numbers that, you know, I would, I could only dream of before, you know? And when you were 
when you have these those workouts, like those you know, those really tough workouts, kind of those um, not just the typical five mile tempo types, but the one that you you kind of look forward to a week in advance. Say, hey, this one's going right. to mean a lot, and this is going to you know this will will tell me what I'm what I'm capable of doing down the line. When you have those kinds of workouts, how do you prepare for them in terms of like do you do like a little mini taper before them, or how do you approach them in your lead up? No, I um, I don't do any taper for any of them. Um, I think though, like before when I was going through, um, you know, coming out of my fatigue and just trying to recover and get better. Whenever I had a workout, I only did one workout a week when I was trying to get better, just so my body start trying to catch up. I would just completely dread it. I would just have so much anxiety beforehand. I would tell um, my husband, I just, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's already Friday night and my workout's tomorrow. Like the week goes by so fast. And now I just have so much excitement for them. You know, I know that the workouts are really hard, but I know I can do them. And I think that just having that confidence and that excitement makes them a lot more, um, more fun. Even You know, when I have, I have my training partners that I get to run them with and I, you know, we, we strategize about what we're going to do and it just makes it, there'd be a lot more excitement and anticipation for them. And that's mostly just what I do to get myself in the right mindset for them because, um, you know, eight mile tempo, 10 mile tempo, they don't ever sound great, but, um, but knowing that I have it on deck and just telling myself, you handle the last one, you're going to be able to handle this one. Um, it's, it's helped me, you know, show up for the workouts in the right mindset and actually just go in and get it done. Yeah. And you mentioned the eight and the 10 mile tempos. Um, in one of the posts you, you put out recently, you said that, uh, you know, willing to work, willing to work out on things that were my weak spots was in kind of in the lead up to this marathon, as opposed to some, some of the previous training you had done. So what, what kind of progression have you been able to do on those super long tempos in terms of time, in terms of like, what did you do three months ago versus say three weeks ago? Yeah. Um, so I, you know, before my training would consist of just a loop around this lake, which is five miles. And that's what I would do all the time. So it's really hard to get better if you're only doing the exact same thing all the time. And now, you know, I started with, um, I think we started with like five miles and at 650 pace, then six miles at 650 pace and seven miles at 650 pace and, um, you know, eight miles, you know, at 651 pace, but, um, just adding a mile a week and just try just saying it's just a mile more, you know? And, um, I think that just that constant adding, but we're also doing some shorter workouts. So we're building a lot of speed, um, of shorter speeds. So that way, when we go into these workouts, the 650s don't feel as fast. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, that is a great point. And for you, what what kind of benefit is there in terms of running with the group versus running solo? Um, and I, I include, you know, the treadmill workouts that you used to do on some of these uh, these harder workouts. Um, I mean, I think that they are, it's so helpful running with the group. I I think I was really intimidated before about running with people. So I really isolated myself and, um, you know, I only did a disservice to myself by doing that. I, you know, you can't allow your insecurities about how fast or slow you are. Well, I guess most people don't feel insecure about being too fast, but, um, but you can't let your insecurity about, you know, your performance, um, affect your willing to, your willingness to challenge yourself. And, um, I think just deciding last fall that I was going to, 
start working out with people was a really, really big turning point for me after, you know, years of um, pretty much working out by myself. Um, it, it Working out with people just takes so much of the load off, like the emotional load of a workout. And just, I mean, even if you guys aren't exactly the same pace or you're not near each other that, that much in a workout, just knowing that your friend is out there too, it just, it pushes you into a, a, a better level. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And I know a lot of people have advocated for people to, to get into running groups for that same reason. Not only can it, especially if you find someone who has the same speed as you, that's obviously beneficial. But sometimes just the social connection that you have to a workout in terms of the community um, can just be that little nudge out the door. You know, they say it's a, it's a cold day or if you're sore a little bit, it, it just can get you can get you to a place from a consistency standpoint where sometimes if you're just kind of a, a hermit about your running, either on purpose or if your circumstances just lead you into it, it can be uh, not quite as beneficial. Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, I think finding great training partners can just take your running to the next level. And I'm really fortunate that mine are um, just really faithful and consistent, you know, like we don't cancel on each other. <laughs> and that's, that's really helpful. You know, I, I might not feel like going and running in the morning or, you know, just a, di- a bunch of different reasons. And I will never cancel because they, w- they won't cancel either, you know? So it's just that like dedication to it that always has a showing up. And then once we're there, if I'm there, I'm, I'm going to give it my everything, you know, and I know that they will too. And so that's, um, that's a really great part about having, um, you know, really good, consistent training partners. Right. And then you, you talked a lot about the changes you have made in just your how you train um, for this marathon versus previous marathons. In terms of the actual race day execution, are you going into it with any a different mental approach or how are you approaching this marathon specifically? Yeah. So, I mean, I think I mentioned before, I would always have a lot of anxiety building up before a race and, um, this time I really don't feel that anxiety. I, um, I went to Kara's retreat earlier this year and, um, Kara Goucher, Kara Goucher, sorry. That's all right. Goucher, the Olympian and amazing. (laughs) And I went to her retreat, um, in October and we had to say a goal that we had, you know, for ourselves for the next year. And we say that every, every year. And this was my fourth year going. So I obviously love her retreat, but, um, this year I said, um, that I was going to be kinder to myself, um, you know, while I'm pursuing these goals. And I think that just like really embracing that has helped to release some of this anxiety because I want to just, I want to enjoy my life and life is um, too long to be so hard on yourself all the time. And so um, I think just realizing that I'm, no matter what happens on race day, I'm going to do my best, you know, and, and I want to enjoy it. Even if I don't hit a goal, barely hit beagle or don't hit it at all. Like I worked really, really hard and I deserve to just be really proud and joyful with whatever the outcome is. That's a great outlook. And that's, it's interesting too, that you mentioned uh, Kara Goucher's retreat. Uh, Obviously she's an absolute stud in the running community and and, and certainly a legend, not only for what she's done uh, on the track and on the roads, uh, but just what she's done for the running community, especially for women runners, uh, specifically all her work that she's done with some of her sponsors. And it always, especially when I look at the, her, the retreat that she does, I was always curious how um, someone who's always been so elite 
is able to kind of kind of step into the shoes of an amateur runner and help them through some of their struggles? How for you, what was that like? Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, it's, I mean, it's a running retreat and it, there is some focus on running, but it's not like you would think it's not like talking about schedules and pacing and stuff like that. It's just so much more laid back and it's a lot more, it's like run therapy, honestly. And, um, Tara is probably the most relatable person I've ever met. She just, I mean, she just is so vulnerable and so open that it doesn't matter that she's an Olympian who, you know, holds the half marathon record. She, she's a person that, you know, has gone through tough times and, and has to process through them and get back up and fight again, you know, and that's just, I mean, that's a theme that everybody, um, has in their life, you know, so it's, it's extremely relatable. It's, it there doesn't feel like Olympian and amateurs there. It just feels like friends and people who love running, just connecting on this level and just understanding each other. That's really well said. Uh, and we're, we're going to finish up there, but thank you so much for sharing all of this, Kim. I really appreciate it. Um, you're full of good knowledge and good info. Uh, I, I'd advise anyone who's listening to this to follow you on Instagram. Again, it's at track club, babe, uh, Kim. Thank you so much for everything. And lastly, good luck next weekend. We'll be rooting for you. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Matt. And I really appreciate you allowing me to talk on ramble on on your podcast <laughs> well, that's, that's that's why we call it the rambling runner podcast kim so you're 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 all about it and uh you know the, the, i feel like i could talk to you for, for three or four hours about running so we're gonna cut it off here but thank you so much for doing this i really appreciate it thank you so much have a good night you too